Welcome to Ottawa Valley Community Church, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. And how in our difficult times, in our difficult seasons, how do we respond? And... uh, I want to say this this morning, the world is watching us. They see our response. And when we went through the two years, what we call the COVID season, the world was watching us. And I think from some perspectives, they were disappointed in us as Christians because we griped and complained just like they did, instead of rejoicing in the midst of our difficulty. And uh, so I'm going to share a sermon with you this morning. I was, uh, I had a sermon that I wanted to preach. Okay, there's a difference in a sermon you want to preach and one that God has given you. All right? Now, the one I wanted to preach, God has given to me, but it's just not time for it. And uh, I really felt after last Sunday, there was a thought that was going over and over in my mind. I almost wanted to shout it out, you know, like our brother does down here. I almost wanted to say, I know our Redeemer lives. That's Job. It didn't come from the lips of someone who was, you know, prospered so much and whatever. That came from the lips of Job. So I struggled with it. And so, and then this week I had a very big disappointment. And you can't, it's hard to prepare and it's hard to preach a positive sermon right when you're in the midst of major disappointment. And I mean a major disappointment. And I want to be positive. Now, if you know me, I, you know I'm a very positive person. I have no time for negativity, but there are times that it still creeps into my heart and my life. So I was talking to Pastor Aaron. He called and said, how are you doing and whatever. And I told him about my sermon and I was preparing this, but uh, I just don't have the heartbeat for it anymore. And, uh, but, but, you know, but I do have this sermon that I really want to preach. What do you think? Because he was asking me because he wanted them to get some idea of what to sing here on Sunday morning. So I changed my mind as I'm going to preach this one that I wanted to preach. All right? Now, it's an important sermon that I want to preach, and it will come. But, and so I, I struggled all week to get this sermon together. Not every sermon comes really good. Now, my wife probably will be, is very happy that I'm not like my father when he was pastoring. Because my father, back in that day, pastors would go in on their knees in their bedroom Saturday night and wait before God for the sermon. And so he would go in the room and stay in there till very late, till 1030. And mom said he did this more times than that she cared for. And he would come out and say, honey, God didn't give me anything. You got to preach tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And he was, she knew he wasn't going to preach. And she said, I had to sit down and I had to put a sermon together. And that's like I was struggling. And I told Pastor Aaron that. And I woke up on Friday morning. And as my eyes come open, I was, these words were bubbling in my spirit. I know that my Redeemer lives. Amen. And it was bubbling in my spirit. And I came out. I told Pastor Aaron. I came out. I immediately sat at my computer. And like in 30 minutes, I had two-thirds of my sermon. It just flowed. It just came. It just came. And as it came, I said, Lord, slow down a little bit. I, I, I don't type that fast. 
but it came and I put it together and I was excited. So I sent him a message uh, yesterday, I think it was. I said, uh, uh, I don't know if it's good news or bad news because I didn't know if he had, you know, songs toward the other area, right? But I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but I'm back on track with I Know My Redeemer Lives. So here I am this morning. Uh, I've entitled my sermon, I Will Because I Know. And you'll understand the reason I choose that for a title this morning. In Isaiah chapter 26 and 3, perfect, absolute peace surrounds those whose imaginations are consumed with you. They confidently, they don't just trust you, they confidently trust in you. Even in the midst of disappointment, they confidently trust you. That rarely happens to me in the context that it happened this week. But boy, was I struggling with the, the get that spirit back in me where I would be excited. Having a bad day. I know you've had them. Having a bad week. What about a bad year? A bad season. When God created the earth he created it so it would have seasons. Now, the three, I would have said, you know, forget the fourth one. You can guess which one that is. All right? But he gave us four seasons. And we are here this morning, the seasons that maybe that I favor the most, you might favor the least. And you could be crazy enough here this morning to favor the winter one. You could tell that I don't. I, you know, one time maybe it's because of the aging process. I don't know. But we have spiritually also good seasons and bad seasons. And we go through our difficult time. And I want to talk about Job this morning. Job had a tad little bit of a bad day. Didn't he? You know, if I was going to compare my storm to Job's, I've never had one like it. I've had some, you know, pretty good storms at times, but nothing like the storm that Job had, the season that he went through. Satan approaches God. Do you know that Satan comes before God? He's called the accuser of the brethren. You know, if you don't like people talking behind your back, I'm going to let you know right now, Satan talks behind your back. And he comes to the Lord sometimes, and he talks about you. Satan approaches God. Now, maybe Job might not have appreciated this too much. Ever had someone talk about you, talk good about you? You know, that's nice, isn't it? You know, you hear a rumor, but someone says something really good about you. Well, this is God boasting to Satan about Job. And you know what, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, if you will read that, I'm not going to take time for that this morning. Uh, uh, so Satan approaches God. God boasts about how awesome Job is. And Satan says, yeah, that's because of what you do for him. If, you know, anybody was blessed as much as you blessed Job, you, of course they're going to be on cue. They're going to serve you. They're going to be excited. They're going to be a great person. But if you took everything away from him, if God took everything away from you this morning, if you went home and the house was burnt down, uh, the car broke down on the way home, and on and on and on, 
you know, uh, what's it going to be like? It was pretty good in church this morning, but boy, did I meet the devil when I got out of church. Wow. So if he lost everything, and God says, well, you can bring the greatest storm he ever had. You can't touch his body. But outside of that, I'm going to give you permission this morning. And so you know the story, uh, you know, they kept coming in and said, this is gone, and this is gone, and these people are dead, and on and on, and eventually your children are dead, you know, and on and on the story goes, I mean, your entire family is wiped out, it can't get any worse than that. And then in chapter 2, Satan approaches God again, because it didn't work, because Job was still excited about serving God. Yeah, but if you'd touch, let me touch his body. Anybody love sickness? Nobody? <laughs> no, we don't, do we? We don't wake up in the morning unless you work. We don't wake up Monday morning and you know you, you, you got to go in town, you got to go in the city, and it's going to be a tough day. Oh, if I could only be sick. You, have you ever said that? You might have. So anyways, if you touch his body, Job will curse you. And um, Job wakes up, and he's broken out all over his body in boils. You ever have a boil? Anybody, how many here have ever had a boil? One, two, three, just a few of us? Oh, you are really blessed, Lord. I've had boils. It's been many years since I've had them. Maybe it's the, you know, we didn't clean ourselves right back then. I don't know. I had a boil one time right on my finger right there, the weirdest place to have it. And uh, I remember my finger was all swollen up and it was so sore. And the cure for a boil is to squeeze that core out. And then it starts to get better. But it ain't a nice thing to do. And I remember my uncle one time said, Ivan, let me see your finger. And I reached out and I showed him my hand. And when I did that, he clenched his knuckle and swapped me right on the hand. He thought he was going to break the boil, but it wasn't ripe. So after that, I was swollen right to my elbow. <laughs> the next boil I had was on the top of my nose. What a weird place to get a boil. Right on the top of my nose, it was all swollen up. That same uncle, I didn't let him hand it to me because I knew the story. <laughs> I knew the story of my Uncle John had a boil one time on his nose when Uncle Max was younger. And his boil was ripe and ready to come. And Uncle Max quietly walked up to him and took him by the nose and wrung the boil out. What a pain! But he wasn't getting handy to me. Boils. And my tablet is going off here. You're not supposed to do that. Um, and then his lovely, supportive wife has some good words for him. I think it's time to curse God and just die and get it over with. You ain't worth serving. Curse God and die. What a lovely wife. What an encouraging wife. Curse God and die. And then he has these three friends. And these three friends are no encouragement to him. 
You know the story. Whenever God puts a new path before us, there will always be a risk factor that will require us to walk by faith, despite the circumstances. And that places, uh, places us in the place we are least comfortable, the unknown. And that's what was before me this week and kind of discouraged me for a couple of days. And how can I preach this? The unknown is scary. But 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith. I've many times have walked the faith journey, not knowing the outcome. And the voice translation puts it this way, the path we walk is charted by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. Many become discouraged because they've never learned to walk by faith. To walk by faith is to trust God in the midst of whatever you find yourself in. I read a quote this week that said, Eyes are useless when the mind is blind. You get that? Eyes are useless when the mind is blind because we see all the problems and all the troubles. Job had to walk in the unknown for a season with no insight to why it was happening and the unknown, no insight into the whole picture. If God could only show me how it's going to turn out. But no, God doesn't do it that way. So we see in Job 23, verses 8 to 10, it says, Behold, I go forward. He's talking about God. Have you ever had times when you wonder where God was? Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns the right hand, but I do not see him. I notice he said here, he acknowledged on the left hand when he is actually working. Despite what's going on, I know God has got this one. You've ever said that? And then in verse 10, but he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, when his time is hop, when he's finished with this, I am going to come out as gold. I'm going to look better than I ever did before. So I want you this morning to see Job's confidence in God despite a journey when he choose to be silent. I thought of Paul and Bar Barnabas in as our reference in Acts 15 and 6, as men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For them, if God said it, if God allowed it, if God was in it, they didn't hesitate to take the risk knowing God was more than able to deliver them. So this morning, I quickly want to give you the I wills and the I knows of Job. The path we walk is charted by faith, not uh, by faith, not by what we see ourselves. No, I'm, 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 I'm on the wrong page here. I needed to turn the page. I thought I did, but it didn't. Uh, okay, number one this morning, I will because he is trustworthy. I will because he is trustworthy. 
Remember the words of Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Do you really trust God? Enough that you could say, I trust him 100%. Whatever he brings my way, whatever he does in my life, I know that God is in control. We know how it feels when our kids trust us. I remember raising my children and the awesome trust that they had in their father. My grandchildren the same way. But then they grew up to be teenagers or adolescents and they stopped trusting. They questioned our wisdom. Uh, by the way, you know, what do parents know? Right? You've been there? I love what Mark Twain said. He said, when I was a boy of 14... My father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the whole man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man learned in seven years. <laughs> they tell me from a recent study, and you've heard me say this once before, from a recent study that when you become a senior and you start to lose your mind, you're not losing your mind. They did a study and reached the conclusion that you're so packed full that it's hard to retain it. It's there. You're not losing nothing. It's just so much wisdom, so much knowledge there. But then, you know, our children reach that stage where we know nothing. And you know what? We treat God that way a lot of times. We really do. The same is true of God. He grieves. We fail to trust Him. We refuse to walk by faith. And God grieves when He sees us not walking in trust and obedience. He really does. We could be like Israel in captivity. Children of Israel in Babylon, listen to them in Psalm 137, verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the populars we hung our harps. No more singing. Just imagine coming to church this morning and I'm looking forward to the fact that, you know, that we do have someone leading worship and I get here and Aaron has taken his guitar and hung up on the wall somewhere and said, no more. Not doing it. Haven't got a song anymore. I'm not singing anymore. This is the children of Israel. For there our captors ask us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy, they said. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. There's something about singing. Or oh, the songs that we sang this morning, Jesus, Messiah. And name above all names. I don't know how you can keep your hands down. I just got to get them up and worship. Jesus Messiah. So glad to be in your presence. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they said, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? So that's 
the children of Israel. That's an example from the Old Testament where they lost their song. Can I say that during the COVID season, I'm glad that we didn't lose our song, but some people lost their song. It was the greatest opportunity in the world to shine for Jesus. It really was. And some people lost their song. They could no longer sing. They were disappointed in their God. How can we sing songs of the Lord all in a foreign land? But then we move over to the New Testament, and we see Paul and Silas in captivity. Here we have Paul and Silas, not only just in captivity, they've been severely beaten. Blood is running down their back. They have been whipped, they've been beaten, they've been taken into the inner prison, and they've been put in stocks and bonds. You can't even comfort yourself. Your hands are stuck in these stocks, and your feet are in there, and you're just there. What are they doing? They are definitely suffering. They are definitely in pain. Here's their response. Acts 16 and 25 to 26, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were, ooh, I like this, the other prisoners were listening to them. It was their opportunity to shine. They could have been like the children of Israel, and, you know, the prisoners saying, give us one of your songs, man. You've been talking about you're a child of God, and, you know, and you love your God, and whatever. Where's your songs? And Paul and Silas could have said, we lost our song. We can't sing. Suddenly, and the result of that, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. At, at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And you know the rest of the story, how the jailer and his entire family were saved and Paul baptized them in water that night. It was an awesome experience. Why? Because they didn't lose their song. We got to keep our song. We've got to keep our song, folks. Regardless of what's happening, I'm going to worship him. I will because I trust him. He's trustworthy. Difficult times. We're told that persecution grows the church. Think about that. Persecution is a growing factor. Secondly, this morning, I will come out of this. I'm going to come through. I'm coming out of this. Job 13, uh, 23 and 10, but he knows where I'm going, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. I don't know where I'm going, but he knows where I'm going. I don't know how it's all going to come together, but he knows exactly how it's going to come together. I said this week, Lord, why don't you show me the end? of the issue. Let me see it. And God doesn't always do that. We don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know if we are going to survive or not. But God knows. He's got it already all planned out. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Remember he said that to Jeremiah? Plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. Some people, my, my, my father was a very negative person, and he always was a, a panicking person. He always saw the negative. 100% of the negative, 0% of the positive. I'm not kidding, 
I told the kids we had a big family, and one day we went out in this 13-foot motorboat. You know, it's kind of like a, 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 a small-shaped boat with the old putt-putt engine in it, and we went out. We, Newfoundland, we say we went out the bay. All right, well, you know, we went through the harbor. We enjoyed the day out on the water and on the beach and the cook-up. And when the time came to come in, a severe storm was break, breaking out. And we were coming up uh, the shoreline about 1,000, maybe, no, about four or 5,000 feet from the, uh, from the shoreline. And these putt-putt motors had a tendency to break down a lot. It's a severe storm, a 13-foot boat with 13 people in it. All right. Uh, the youngest was two years old. So therefore, the oldest was uh, 15 years old. Children. Now, I've never freaked out in front of my children. I don't want to scare them. I think too much of them to do that, to freak out. So we're coming up. And so what they would do, you had this flywheel that you had to get hold of the thing and you, you flip it around and the motor would kick in and go, but it wouldn't go. And, and we were drifting toward the, the shore. And we were drifting closer and closer. We were about 30 minutes at that. And every now and again, my father would be doing this, and the motor wouldn't go, and he'd look up, and he'd see the land. Oh, my goodness, we're all going to die out here. We're all going to drown. We're going to beat up on the shore. He'd freak right out. And we'd all start crying. <laughs> my, the youngest, that was two years old, my brother Mike, it took, took, took us two years to get him to get in a boat. Can I say this morning, God added. He really did. He really added. So I will be trustworthy, and then I will come out of this. I'm going to come through. Though, uh, but he knows where I'm going, and when he has tested me, I will come out as pure Go. I love the words in Romans 8 and 37. Paul said, What? We are more than conquerors. Or in the New Living, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. The Lord never established his church for defeat. He said that we would be victorious. Amen. So if he said we will be victorious, no matter what comes our way, no matter what difficulty comes, we know that he's going to bring us, I love the word, through the storm. Job 23 and 14, he said, For he will carry out exactly what he has planned for me. He will carry out exactly what he has planned for me. God's got it all. He's got it under control. God knows what he is doing. The problem is we often don't know. In Acts 9, we have the story of Saul on the road to Damascus, uh, who has an encounter with Jesus. You know the story, and he meets Jesus. And in that encounter, he ends up being blind, and he's taken to, he's, uh, taken to um, <clears throat> Judas's house on Straight Street. And he's one of the worst persecutors of Christians. He's not one of the guys that you want to encounter. Everybody was afraid of Saul, petrified to know that he was in town. And then it says there in Acts 9 and 11, God comes to Ananias in a dream. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. What? 
No way, God. Um, I'm going to go to the house of Judas on straight street. I know that Saul is there, and we're doing our best to avoid him. And you, you see that hesitancy in his voice. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man. This is not a good thing. When God asks us to encounter somebody that's difficult. Oh, wow. And then in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. He didn't suggest, he said, go. I'm commanding you to go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. Nobody knew that. Everybody knew that it was Saul the persecutor. Everybody knew it was the one who witnessed Stephen being uh, stoned to death. Everybody is afraid of this man. Nobody has any inkling that God is working on him, but God found a way to work on him. It's a risk, but God is in it, and Ananias obeys, and we see one of the most powerful testimonies of salvation we could ever read. And I love this in verse, uh, Acts 9 and verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hand on Saul, the most wicked man you can ever find, the man that's despised most by Christians. But I love this. And he walks and he puts his hands on him and he says, Brother Saul. Wow, what a miracle. Are there people that God will send our way that, you know, we're not too fussy about calling them brother, Saul, sister? He will. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here as sent me so that you may what? See again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is totally awesome. And the last one this morning, I will because I know. I will because I know. You see, his confidence is found in the Scripture here in Job 19, verse 25 to 27 that I spoke about a few moments ago. I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, he will rise and take his stand on the earth. That word redeemer is the word gaol, which is kinsman redeemer. And as I looked up that in the Hebrew, and I'm looking through the different words that it means, and right in the middle of these words was the word my deliverer. He's going to deliver me. Oh, you think I'm going to die? You think that there is no hope for me? I know that my Redeemer lives. And then in 26, And though my skin has been stripped off, still in my flesh I will see God. His comforters told him the opposite all the way to 42 chapters of the book of Job. His wife spoke the opposite. I love what he said there. In my flesh, you think I'm dying? You think, you know, I'm weathered away? I will see God in my flesh. I love this. That word, balsoir, flesh, and also in brackets was there from its freshness. God is going to renew my flesh. I'm not going to come out full of scars. I'm not going to have to carry those boils all of my life. But God is going to give me a new makeover. Any of you ladies ever went for a makeover? Huh? He's going to give me a new makeover. Wow, I'm going to look better than I ever did before. 
And then in verse 27, I myself will see him, not some stranger, but actually me with these eyes I'm going to see him. If you ask someone that speaks discouragement to you, you can say, that's fine for you to say, but I have confidence. I know my Redeemer lives, and with these eyes, I'm going to see him. I'm not going down into the grave right now. God is going to take care of it all. So what the devil destroys in our lives and, le- and leads to, it leads to our trials, God renews. God said, you're going to come out victorious. When I fell on the ice in the backyard, it didn't look too good for a while. Especially when there were, there were like five other people in this area that similar circumstances happened to them, and every one of them died. Every one of them. But God brought me through. God brought me out of it. It's not God is able, but it's God will. God does. He said, I'm confident of that. And then in Job 42 and verse 2, we come to the end of the story. He said, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. When they say impossible, oh, it's impossible with man. But nothing is impossible with God. You know that God is still in the miracle working business? Absolutely nothing is impossible with Him. It's right after this that God blesses Job and restores everything plus more. God knows what He's doing. You move to the New Testament and then we see the same thought with Paul the Apostle. In 1 Timothy 1 and 12, Paul writing of his confidence in his God. He said, this is why I am suffering as I am. He's in prison. Yet this is no cause for shame. People were you know, beating on him. People were telling him that God must have given up on you. Man, you, you, you. they were really giving him a rough time. Some of his greatest leaders that were with him turned their back on him. And he's writing and he says, because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know him this morning. The Amplified puts it this way, and this is why I'm suffering as I do. Still, I am not ashamed, for I know, perceive, I have knowledge of, I am acquainted with him whom I have believed, adhered to, and trusted in, and relied on, and I am positively persuaded that he is able to guard and keep that which has been entrusted to me, and which I have committed to him until that day. I love the way that Peterson paraphrased a part of that verse there, but I have no regrets I could not be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of on what he's trusted to me to do right to the end. God is in control. God is in control. I don't care what your circumstances is this morning. Can I tell you, God is in control. He really is. Now we come back, as our worship team comes back, to Job chapter 42 and verse 7. This is the conclusion of the matter. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, 
he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I'm angry with you and your friends, for you have not listened to it this morning. You have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. You don't have confidence in me like Job has. You haven't spoken truthfully. If we walk by faith, we must talk by faith. Amen? If we walk by faith, we must talk by faith. And then in verse 10, and the Lord restored Job's losses. But you notice what it says there when he prayed for his friends. These negative guys, Job prayed for them when he prayed for his friends. And what did Jesus say? We are to love our enemies and we are to what? Pray for our enemies. Then it says here, Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. His beginning was good. I mean, God bragged about him. But the ending was even better. When we learn to walk by faith and not by sight. What's going to happen if or when persecution comes? Some people are talking about what we went through for two years was persecution. We don't know the meaning of the word persecution, folks. If persecution comes, how many are going to turn their back on God? How many are going to become like Job's comforters or those with confidence? We are told that persecution grows the church. And the church is growing in leaps and bounds in many parts of the world. And I believe God is going to do a work in North America. And it could be the means of having to face some real persecution. Are you going to be strong? If you're put in prison, you're beaten, you're put in stocks, are you going to sing? Amen? As Pastor Aaron comes and leads us, I will because I know, I know my Redeemer lives. Amen? I know, say it with me, I know my Redeemer lives. Just raise your hands for a second toward, I know, Lord, I know that my Redeemer lives. In your circumstances, say it this morning, it's hard, it's difficult, say it again, I know that my Redeemer lives. I'm going to come out as pure gold. God is going to finish the work. God is going to do it. Amen? Now, I didn't feel like that on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> you know, I struggled with it. I felt it, but yet I, 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 there were answers I wanted, and God said, I'm not giving them to you. Amen? God is good. Pastor Harry, will you come and lead us? Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Community Church, visit ovchurch.ca.